every freaking second of the day, I'm going to do it. Everybody wants to be mother freaking wealthy. Are you willing to adapt? Are you willing to change? How uncomfortable are you willing to get? How willing are you going to be to allow me to help you? This is a marathon, not a sprint. You give up your right to be average and ordinary. You gotta show up earlier, you gotta be here later, you gotta hit harder, be more productive, be more focused. If you don't see it that way, you will fail at it. You guys have been the pillar and the backbone of Planet First Life now for quite some time. Keep growing. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We have Sean Mike with us. Sean, this is episode number 81. Wow. So for 81 Saturdays in a row, we've done this call. Wow. We've done done the video. We've done the video, but we've been doing a Saturday call. We've been doing a Saturday call for what, five years, six years, seven years? Long time, dude. Seven years every Saturday morning. Long time. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been. All right, so um, we got some questions from agents coming in. The first one is, as I grow my business and hire staff, how would I mon- what is a good way to monitor their productivity? Everything for me was, was just like any other job I had. You know, when I worked at U- UPS, United Parcel Service, they looked at my productivity based on how many packages we loaded. Well, there was like when you either unloaded a truck, how many did you unload an hour? Loaded a truck, how many did you load an hour? You delivered them, how many did you deliver an hour? Right? Like it wasn't that complicated. I was the same way here. Like in the business, my first person that I hired was a recruiter. And my everything was issue paid volume. That's all I ever did. So if, if I hired, you know, five people in this room right now, we just got started and I was doing 100 grand a month. I'd be like, okay, well, I've, I'm doing 100 grand a month. Like I'm doing, I'm selling whatever, 30, 40. I got a few other people selling. Okay, now we're going to measure our success based on how much we grow. And I came up with the numbers for that. I'd, I want to include everybody too, Andrew. Like I didn't want to, I didn't think it was fair if I had one recruiter, one contractor, and somebody was helping with leads or helping new agents. I had three staff. I didn't think it was fair to say, well, if we grow, it's because of the recruiter, or we don't grow, it's the recruiter's fault. Like, we're in it together, right? So I was like, but I had a number every month. I did think that every staff member there needed to, especially at that time, we were trying to grow by $100,000 every month. Like, that was our goal, even at 100. You go, that's it's a lofty goal. I'm like, no, it's like four or five people selling life insurance a month. So everything you do should be based on issue paid life. And if you have staff and you're where you were when you started six months ago, I don't probably need to tell you that if you don't have the staff, you're, you wouldn't have gone backwards. Staff don't prevent you from going backwards. They either help you grow. And I think what you'll find out a lot of times with staff and I, this is, I'm just being honest is you think they're putting in the work. Like when you're an agent selling, you know, when you're not dialing, you know, the appointments, like some agents say they're selling every week and like, do they dial an hour a week, two hours a week, whatever it is, they're not dialing on a regular basis. Right. So the staff, it's only issue paid volume. It wasn't what they told me. It wasn't what new ideas they had. Because what I realized is staff and employees can be really good at convincing you they're, they're productive when they're not. And the only number that didn't lie was the issue paid number. That was it. So everything came back to, hey, we're doing good. No, you're not. We're two months in. We have the exact same volume we had two months ago. I'm not mad, but let's let's come up. And also, you know, when 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 some of the recruiters early on, 14 years ago, would say to me, what do we do next? I'm like, you're the recruiter. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm over here selling life insurance, recruiting people, warm market. You're supposed to be recruiting people, cold market, and finding people in warm market, warm market. Like that's up for you to figure out. So I think that a lot of us don't. We don't stick to that number. 
That'd be like, can you imagine if when I was working at UPS, I convinced my boss not to track the amount of packages I unloaded an hour when I was unloading trucks? Don't worry about it, dude. I have some new ideas, and we're friends, and I was nice. And I think it needs to be, uh, you know, you'd have to have a good relationship with people, right? You have to work hard to put them in a better position. But you should be discerning if they're good at their job based on the numbers. That's it. Issue paid numbers. So we're doing this new thing, which all after all these years, it's it's my fault for not tracking certain things. Mm-hmm. But we're doing this new thing where uh, every day on Monday, we're filling out our week schedule. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that we know we're going to have to do that we do weekly, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're putting what the task is and the t- the amount of time that we're assigning to that task. Mm-hmm. So we can get a, get a clear look of what is taking up our days. And then we're going through and getting rid of some of them that they're, they're never going to create any revenue. Mm-hmm. They might look cool or sound right. cool or be fun, which in some cases could be important, but um, that way we can get a clear look of, and we're trying to re- replace everything with something that produces income mm-hmm. and also something we can gauge. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. I think, I mean, we used to have, ours very rudimentary. The staff would send me an every day, email at the end of the day of what they did for the day, right? As a breakdown, it took, you know, whatever period of time and it broke down what they did for the day. You need structure. And I think when you have, you know, when you walk into a company that's been around for hundreds of years and you have your job title, but here it's very enigmatic, which is what happens to a lot of small businesses. They hire staff, right? Their first one, two, three, seven staff. They really don't know what to have the people do. And then a lot of times this person starts doing something, they hire three more people. And it's like, but they're not looking at what this person, this person may not even be working three hours a day and you don't know how to track. It could just be with a bunch of, with stuff that they could, well, they could be at the office doing something that's work, but they're not productive, right? What they're, what they're doing is not, you know, to your point of, you know, we had a lot of people love everybody, but they got into, you know, becoming podcast professionals, not selling, not getting people selling, not hiring new people, recruiting new people, getting them selling. And I think that you have to look at the ROI and everything you're doing. And that was my thing is every single thing I did, I want to have return on investment on it. So I love your idea. And I think it's important for people to be held accountable. And they, first of all, you have to hold yourself accountable. If you're an independent contractor and you employ people, you have to find independent people. They have to be good because they're going to hold themselves accountable. You're not going to have a staff meeting every day. You're not going to have some office where there's 400 people in there where you're sitting down and, you know, every 15 minutes you're having the, like, dude, they're going to be working autonomously. So you have to find really good people. That's why you pay them really well and you take good care of them so they can, they can earn and they can share in the profits. But I love your idea. So um, <clears throat> one other thing that we're, that we're working on is, uh, and I want to see what you think about this. So there was a time where we were doing three podcasts a week, mm-hmm. okay? And we were getting recruits from it. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen just from our agency and insurance agencies is let's fast forward three years later. Now there's a million podcasts about insurance out, right? Everywhere. There's who knows thousands of FFL podcasts. So what we've seen is the more diluted that that gets the, the smaller amount of recruits we get from podcasts Mm -hmm. because they're being divvied up probably Mm -hmm. between all of people can end up anywhere in the whole in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. So we're actually going to stop doing podcasts mm-hmm. for a little bit and focus on getting on the phones and just ca- old school recruiting people, calling people. Like 
what do I need to be doing this for when I could just be call- I get three Correct. new people selling by the end of the day that you get to talk to personally. We're, yeah, they we're all doing podcasts. You get to talk to exactly. Them. You guys can get on the phone with them and figure out who they are, what they want, yeah. what they don't want, what they're doing now, and why they think they'd be a good fit here. Now, a good, a good. Uh, it would be interesting to see that versus someone who's just popping up videos. Well, that'll win all day long. That's how this industry was built. Yeah, because you you, you don't make a connection. The videos and all that stuff's good. You know, I heard a guy say the other day, and I don't agree with him at all. I don't agree with much of what he says. He doesn't work with us. He just makes videos and charges stuff. But he said, people buy from you if they know who you are, not if they trust you. It's like, what? No, people buy from you one time if they heard of who you are or maybe seen you somewhere or maybe recognize your name. But once you get paid to do something for them and they don't trust you, they will not do that again. I just don't think most people are that stupid. So to make that connection with people, there has to be some kind of contact. And I think, Andrew, for me, watching a video don't mean I want to, I need to be able to talk to somebody. And I think about how many calls you could make in an hour and how many people you can speak to in an hour. And what are they looking for? They're looking to be recruited. They're looking to be wanted in the industry, looking to be told they're a good fit for your organization. You do a podcast, dude, it's about as informal as it gets. They watched your podcast. Okay. Dude, any of the stuff I've done, we get, it's, it's the messages you get after. Yeah, you'll get some, but. There's so many people out there already asking to be part of this and what we do, some of, some of the lead gen stuff that we do for agents and also warm market. Do we walked away from calling people's lists? Yeah, check this out. Like God. When I got hired, I was working at the grocery store yep. and somebody goes, hey, want to sell insurance? Correct. And I was like, yeah. Correct. And there's hundreds of millions of people out there. And it was, it was good timing because this lady had me take her groceries out every week. And she had a nice car, and I asked her like what she did. She goes, "My husband sells insurance." Yeah. And like an hour later, my buddy calls me, "Hey, want to sell insurance?" Okay, yeah, no problem. But dude, that's the other thing. Dude, blows me. I was with Isaiah Tatami the other day, and he's like, "You do this all the time," and I'm like, "Yeah, I just recruit people." Like the valet, this one, every, every dude, everybody, and then their friends of friends. That's how you build stuff. And you know, look at what the insurance. Take a step back and think about what I still can't wrap my head around is, I could go somewhere to your house. 40 minutes, and on average, if I did my job and the policy was, you know, let's say 80 bucks instead of using like 80, 90 bucks, which is what most of mine were, somewhere then, did I make a thousand bucks? And I was like, I was working at the state knocking on doors trying to get people to like take care of their kids for like $18 an hour. And it was a lot of work, like a lot of work. And then I sold real estate, and God knows what that ended up being an hour. It wasn't a lot. You know, and then I had a job chipping wood and cutting trees. That was for like 15 bucks an hour. So to to understand how, to your point of the bag and groceries and the lady with the car, dude, it's just such a, it, the industry is insane. Um, All right. What's your opinion on real estate, it. future of real estate? What do you think it looks like in this? I don't know. I live through this. And I mean, you look at the rates, dude, and you look at what people did. And dude, listen, these hot, obnoxious, white, hot out of control markets are always followed by a lot of violence and, and they are, I mean, that's, what's going to happen. You don't need to, you know, I don't need to be a, you know, a, I don't need an economics degree to know that I lived it in 08, you know, when you live in a community and the you average think it's house sales, be as bad, I think it'll be worse. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't be worse only because you couple it with the current inflation. You couple it with where we're going as a, as a country. Um, and it got so odd. And you look at the and you look at the rates. I mean, you look at the Fed and they're doing what they have to do, right? And I'm not who am I? I mean, I don't, you know, but 
like they're they're going to continue to do what they got to do to kind of mess with this. I mean, this inflation's out of control, dude. Like I've been around here a long time, and I've never seen people pay this much money for bread, for gas, for milk. This is out of control. It's out of order, you know. And and just take any neighborhood you live in. You've had this discussion a dozen times. I can't believe that house sold for this, no matter where you dude, live, dude. because in '08 it didn't happen everywhere. I was there. So if any of you want to, like, I, I was in real estate, Connecticut, Mass, Rhode Island. I, I was in the West Coast. So if you say, but let, I'll use New England. Dude, it didn't happen everywhere. Like, there were areas that got out of control, and there were areas that definitely crept up, but ain't nothing like we just went through. Nothing. Everything. And by, and good for them. Everybody was taking, but take the average family who bought a house for a couple hundred grand, let's call it three, and it's worth 190 or two, 230. So it's worth two thirty. Inflation hits. The mortgages they got, some of these variables, some of these other stuff they got with the rates. Even if you had a, an interest rate that was fixed for thirty years, and you got in because when markets are hot, it's easy to borrow money. That's what makes them hot. Low interest rates and kind of like yeah, you can, you can get in. And all of a sudden now you're paying this much more for gas, food, utility, all that stuff. And all of a sudden you're squeezed out. You can't make payments anymore. And, you know, I, I think what you're going to see is it's it's going to it's going to be bad, dude. I mean, it's and again, if you live through away and the mortgage derivatives and what happened and the way they manipulated the market and how nasty that was, you know, it, it, and people say, well, that was this and they shouldn't have done that. And, dude, everybody that's watching this knew it was going to be a tumble. I mean, this is going to it's but I think I well, think at the beginning of 2023 it was going to be a tumble in 2020 and then it exploded. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, I, I think I mean, you know, dude, all I know is I think we. <laughs> You know, what's happened the last couple of years and what happened with COVID, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think any of the things were going to, I thought things were going to continue to do what they're doing. And I said that. I said about our industry. I was like, even, you know, life insurance, anything, I, I'm like, it's going to be a pretty good run for some people for a while, depending on what industry you're in. I mean, some of the service industries and some of the industries that like, you know, I was the guy the other day who's a you know, DJ. I'm like, what happened? He's like, COVID. Like, I, I couldn't, you know I mean? I, I get that. There's certain things you just can't, you know, but, um. I think when you when you, now is going to be a good time to buy. It, yeah, you're going to get you're going to you're going to get you're going to purchase where it was, and, and you're going to you know save a few bucks on top of that. And when should you or how long should you ride it out? I, I know this. You know, don't don't sell unless you have to. That's the other thing that bothers me, dude. And I've had that discussion with you about. You know, I've had the discussion with people about crypto. Uh, you know, the, I don't like when the little guy loses. I'm cool when the big guy loses. Like, I'm totally down with that. I, I just don't like when a little guy loses. I, I don't, you know, and and what ends up happening is the people ha- that, that sell in a, in a terrible market, they're pay- they have to sell. They're, they have to. Either they have so much money, they're moving in, they don't care. But most people, a lot of money aren't going to, you know, give up that kind of money and sell at that point in time. So, you know, it's the guys and girls that they're having a really hard time making a mortgage and they don't want to go through foreclosure and they're going to sell thinking that they had their life savings wrapped up in the 80 or 100 grand in equity and they don't have anything by the time the real estate commission hits and everything else and the conveyance taxes. So it's going to be a great time to buy stuff, you know, it's, and some people are going to take a very violent ride, which is why I told everybody, again, I mean, I, I, anybody asked me, dude, I was like, over the last year, 15 months, I was like, don't touch nothing, dude. Wait, Just so let it ride you, out. When do you think it's going to be a good time to buy a year from now? No, I think you're going to see it pretty early in 2023. Yeah, you're already starting to see the softening, dude. Well, what's funny is uh, Nicole's parents just bought a house. Mm -hmm. And the realtor I met there, Mm -hmm. uh, super cool dude. He said he he sold like 41 houses off from Zillow leads that month. This was Mm -hmm. like two months ago. 
and uh, I was like, hey, try to get me my neighbor's house because I want my mom to move from California to Nevada at least for like six months. And Mm -hmm. if I get the neighbor's house, then I could have both yards, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So he's like pitching my neighbor on selling their house like randomly. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. Yeah. Well, then this was two months ago. And then he just called me like two days ago and goes, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, that ain't a good sign Mm -hmm. because no realtors have called me to see how, how's it going in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so that was my gauge on it's probably not good. No, but it's, it's, or it's probably really slowing down. It's going to be a tumble. And I think that's also a lot of people in the business selling real estate. I lived it in 08, man. I mean, you know, I wasn't selling. I mean, if he sold 41 houses a month, good for him. I mean, I, I moved a lot of houses, but, you know, six, seven, eight, ten a month was big for me at the time. But when it hit, I just saw a lot of people that that was their sole income. And a lot of people left their <laughs> jobs in you know, 2001, two, three, and became real estate agents full time. And then in 08, they went running back trying to fight because there was nowhere to like, you needed to go take cover. You need to go make money again, you know, and it made it, made it really, really hard. And, and then a lot of that gets cut out too. I'm going to, if I'm going to sell it, I'm going to sell it on my own, or I'm going to cut this, or I'm going to cut that. It just becomes, you know, it becomes tough, dude. I think you're better off if you're in your house, you don't need to sell it. And if you're in a house and you think you, you don't want to buy another. Again, it's always six and one half dozen of another. People always say to me, well, I want to sell. Is it a good time to buy? Well, dude, there's, it's never a great time to buy and sell. So if you're selling and buying, it don't matter. If you're only selling, that sucks. But if you're selling and buying, like right now, it wouldn't be a great time to sell my house. But if I want to buy something of comparable value where I live, I, I'd buy right. So selling wrong and buying right level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's so yeah, for yeah. me that, that when people you say said, that, that's stupid. That's yeah. like really dumb. You're getting I mean, an even deal. It doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. You're At flopping. Point, you're it doesn't, yeah. But, but it's just don't sell right now. If you only need, you know, if you're, if you're like, man, I want to move anyway. I always want to be in this area. They've softened up. I know I'm going to get hit on mine. I'm going to get hit, but I'm going to get a hit when I buy mine. Life is good. You know? So, I think you're going to, but I think it's going to be the ones that lose it. And I think that that's, you know, we haven't gone through that in a long time ever since the debacle in 08 where, I mean, you probably won't remember, but when it was like, dude, everywhere, like everywhere you pulled in, it was like foreclosure, foreclosure. It was, I remember. It was out of control. Dude, dude. I because I started selling insurance and I bought my first house for 65 k Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that was like insane. The mortgage was like two hundred and like it's gonna forty be, bucks a month. It's gonna be ugly, dude. But just keep your head about you, pay attention, and and don't make any rash. All right. Decisions. So that being said, what does the future look like in insurance? What do you think it looks like? Well, dude, the the thing about insurance that that really separates it from everything I've ever seen, and this is what I always tell people when they ask me why it's such a great industry. Um, you know, anytime you can hedge your bets and anytime you can dramatically minimize your ability to lose money um when money's really really good which is when i started in insurance it wasn't right um people bought a ton of insurance 0809 because they were concerned about the asset they, their house was an asset to them even though it was really a liability but it was an asset and the way they looked at it so people buy life insurance when times are tough because they're concerned and they need the protection and then people buy life insurance when times are good because they have extra money. So there's really never a time when you have a need-based product, like people are going to buy it. Like everybody needs to have life insurance. Everybody's going to die. Everybody needs to put gas in their car. You know, don't kid yourself that everybody starts taking the bus. They just figure it out and put gas in their car. I mean, they might make a few less trips, but for the most part, dude, they're going to keep moving. So in a need-based sale, all I know is I lived in 08, had great years. COVID hit. 
And obviously we learned that people are talking about their mortality. Never. I wish nobody went through anything. I'm sad that anybody went through what they went through throughout COVID, medically, financially. I'm really sad. But life insurance, it was what everybody was talking about was their mortality. So I realized, like, man, with the pandemic, people, anything that gets people talking more about what will happen if they don't have it, it increases sales. So, like, when they're scared, it goes up. When they're happy, it goes up. It, it's, it's just a phenomenal industry because, again, it's a need-based sale. And I think that's... Well, it's also the easiest. Well, it's easy to sell something. In people, my opinion, it, it's a really easy sale. Well, it's easy to sell something everybody needs. I mean, they've already well, sold no, themselves but, on it. And it's shared risk. So the cost, it, it doesn't cost mm-hmm. much. Correct. I mean, usually it doesn't but, cost much. But dude, it really comes down to if you've never been in sales before life insurance, you know, so for you to know how easy it is, that's pretty cool and interesting because most people don't know that. For those of us that have gone door to door cold called like completely cold called and try to get people to buy something they never asked for dude that's hard and that's a lot of work so i agree with you having been in all kinds of sales and never saying anything simple i always said we were order takers the very first time the guy introduced me to it he said we're in life insurance sales I said how many of those leads you got he said as many as you want i said you're taking orders bro you're not in life and you're that's not sales you're in life insurance you're in life insurance order taking you're not in sales i can show you sales this is not sales yeah, that's insane. And the average premium is what? What's the cost client? Twelve, fourteen hundred bucks a year. So twelve, fourteen hundred bucks a year. Mm-hmm. And you look at alternative sales. Uh, <clears throat> forty-five minutes of work. I ain't seen it for forty-five minutes of work. Even if you took a real estate and said my average, if I was selling two houses a month, they're four hundred grand, and I'm getting three percent. That's twelve grand, twelve grand. But it might take me four months to consummate a sale. I know. I can I can go do twelve in a couple of days over the weekend. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. All right. Um <clears throat> so for people that want to make extra money, mm-hmm. what because there's probably gonna be more people that want to or maybe even there'll need be a lot to. more people, yeah. And, and need you, to, you right? came up with this thing or we did at a meeting, I don't remember who exactly. I think it was you, but it it was called. We said, "Do your part." That was going to be our line for twenty twenty three. Do your part, correct? It, like our hashtag as correct. a company. Can you explain that a little bit? Do in oh eight when I got my license, I felt like it was my obligation to share it with everybody that I knew that needed to make extra money. I didn't do it to to get a certain number of people or get on leaderboards or to make a certain amount of money. I shared this opportunity with everybody. Life insurance industry because I want to see people win. So doing your part, I think when the inflation hits and all these things happen and people are having a tough time and families have a tough time making ends meet, I, I think do your part is, yeah, we work here at FFL and that's cool. We're in the insurance industry, but it's also our job to do our part to let other people know what's out there. To let other people know that they can actually achieve this, to let other people know, because what stops them usually is they have their own idea of what they think the industry is and what they think is, isn't. And we can educate them on that and empower them on it. Um, I mean, do your part, Andrew, is spreading the word because there are hundreds of millions of people out there. The vast majority of them say they don't have enough for any life insurance. And then you got hundreds of millions of people and the unemployment rate's only 2%. And like 80% of them say they need an extra job. So like we, we have such a wide open opportunity. Doing your part is getting more people covered and getting more people paid to protect their families on both ends. So that's, that's, that's how I look at it, man. It's a crusade to me to do your part. That's awesome, bro. Well, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, we will see you guys. Let's see next week, and that will be our eighty second in a row. Eighty two. 
number 82. Love it. So we'll see you guys next week, and thank you for coming in. Thank you, buddy. <laughs>